Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. All right. Um, hey, we're going to, uh, my name's Jeremy. Um, we're going to chat this morning about something that probably everybody won't be excited about, but I think it's really, really important. Uh, we're going to chat about the subject of offense. This week, I'm going to break it down for you guys. If you are the one that's offended next week, Adam will uh, take on being the one who has offended somebody. In non-churchy words, being the one who is hurt by someone else's actions. Uh, there's a lot of scripture today, so bear with me on that. But I kind of wanted to start with the fact that, you know, offense and hurt, it can't cleanly be compartmentalized into a box of what it is, right? How it looks, how it affects each person. I just assure you that you know when you've been hurt, right? And in my own personal life, I've oftentimes been hurt by significant wrongdoings from people in church, outside of church. Um, but there's often been times, too, that I've been hurt by stuff that wasn't really significant. It's just a matter of foggy perception or me filling in the blanks, right? My language here is really intentional for you guys. I didn't want to use legitimate and not legitimate because I don't think that I can clearly define for another person what a legitimate hurt or an offense is, right? Our backstories are all different. Um, if, if, if you have physical abuse in your background, physical violence, emotional abuse, you have a different backstory. So things affect you differently than they affect me, right? And kind of one of the examples I'm using here is I, I can choose to be offended about the fact that I don't have any hair, right? And coming here to this church, like one of the first things I realized is that Adam has the hair of a Greek god, right? And he's got, he's got enough hair for three people, right? So it, yeah, it bothers me a little bit. God didn't just give me a little bit more there. I mean, it could have taken a little bit from Adam. He'd have never noticed. Um, and so uh, I can't clearly define that for you, all right? So know that. Um, know that also we're not talking about crimes today. If you, are, if you are in a situation where there has been something illegal that's happened to you, uh, something it needs to go to the police, right? I want to make sure everybody knows that. We're not talking about those things and, and letting those things go and shut it down, okay? You have to use your, your appropriate channels for that. Raise your hand if you've been hurt in your life. Everybody's been hurt, exactly. I can pretty confidently say that if you've been in church for more than six months, you've been hurt by somebody in church, okay? As John Mark says, uh, the price of community is confrontation, right? And I think that that's so telling and so fitting for what we're talking about today. Uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about a couple of things in my life, very personal, very transparent this morning. I find that in the past when we are breaking open something that's really, really challenging and hard and heavy, like a fence, uh, we learn best from hearing from our struggles from other people, right? So let me be very transparent with you guys. I've thought about my time in church, and I've been in church uh, since I was a very, very little kid. Uh, and I was, I was probably, I would say I've been hurt, I can remember 15 times that I've been hurt in church by someone, some group of people, um, which means that probably I've been hurt close to 50 times. I just can't remember what those times were, right? Uh, they weren't significant enough across my, the, the length of my life to be that I could remember those. So now that we're all level set, I've been hurt, you've been hurt, we've all been hurt. Uh, let's see what Jesus has to say about this. Today we're going to break it down 
uh, kind of like this. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be in that passage basically for the entire time. We're going to start with a practical approach for handling hurts from your brothers or sisters. And we're going to look at identifying where that hurt or offense usually comes from. And then we're going to look at the ripple effects of offense and unforgiveness. And then we're going to wrap it up with some ministry time where we're going to self-reflect and we're going, we're going to ask Jesus if we need to forgive anybody. Okay? Adam told me to make sure I kind of clearly define this. I am not saying at the end of service I'm going to make you go talk to people about how angry you are with them, right? We're going to keep it between us and Jesus today at the end of service. Uh, and if there, if there is anybody that you need to forgive, my prayer is that the Lord helps us see that today. Everyone good with that? All right. You got 20 minutes if you're not good with it, okay? All right. Now, our good friend Jesus, he breaks this down in 18, Matthew 18. Let's read this. Uh, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything that you say can be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan and a tax collector. Um, I, I, I don't really know why tax collectors are so bad, but apparently Jesus didn't think highly of my profession. All right. Um, all right. So back to verse five here. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Let's hard stop right there. 90% of the things that we get hurt about or upset about with somebody else should be addressed right here. We shouldn't have to go any further than that, right? There's another 10% that we probably could escalate beyond that elders in the church, the pastor. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't ever get to this point. We don't ever get to this point where we'll go tell people. Like, my personal preference with dealing with hurt or offense or anger with somebody is to do it really passive-aggressively, right? Real, I, I can be a real passive-aggressive person. You don't want you don't, you don't to see that, okay? Do something really, really passive-aggressive. Show them what's up. I'm not going to like your Twitter post. I'm not going to like your Instagram picture. I'm not going to talk to you when I see you in public. I'm just going to kind of walk really fast and act like I didn't see you, okay? And let me tell you something. All of those things, none of those things work, guys. I've done those things. Believe me, I've done those things. And the person never realized that I didn't like their Instagram post, and I hadn't done it for two months. Okay? They, didn't, they never realized that. All right? So I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. I think what Jesus is saying here is that you have to open your mouth and express your hurt to your offender. One big reason for that, nine times out of ten, in all likelihood, the person has no idea that they've hurt you. They have no idea that an action or something that they said negatively impacted your heart, okay? But what we'll do here is instead of going to somebody else, instead of going and telling the person that they've hurt us, we go to other people, okay? We go to other people, we invite them over to the house for dinner, right? And our friends come over and about 10 minutes into the dinner, we have an agenda, to establish about somebody else that has hurt us, okay? Have you ever been at a place and having coffee or at lunch with somebody and you quickly realize about 10 minutes in, oh, this person didn't want to come and hang out with me. Like they didn't want to come and hang with me. They wanted to gain an ally 
in their offense against somebody else. They wanted to slander somebody else. And I have left those places before and realized, man, I, I'm really angry at this person. But when I went there, I wasn't. How did that happen? How did I leave lunch angry at Andrew? And I only use Andrew because Andrew is impossible to be upset with. All right? If, you, if you're upset with Andrew, then me and Adam, we need to have a counseling session after church because there is, there is almost impossible to be upset with Andrew, right? But that's what we do. We go and we get, we get our allies and we slander people behind their backs. And I'm just telling you, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're doing that, stop. Stop. It doesn't, it, it just makes the situation worse. Okay, and all it does is feed that anger inside of you and it spreads it to other innocent people. It's not cool. So let's stop that. That's what I want to open this message up with, right? Let's stop that. So Jesus, he, stop, he, he continues along. He wraps this up pretty quick. And he jumps into uh, what I think is much more important to him. All right, see, offense and hurt is okay, but it's only a half step away from something that Jesus takes much more seriously, and that's unforgiveness. And Jesus takes that extremely serious. If you think that I am, I am exaggerating, wait till you see this next verse. It is horrific, okay? This next passage is horrific, probably more so than anything aside from maybe some passages in Daniel and Revelation, right? Okay? Um, so we open up this parable of the unforgiving debtor, and we start with my favorite guy, Peter, okay? Uh, I relate to Peter. Peter is fiery. Peter... Uh, a lot of times just can't help himself, right? So Peter opens this passage up and he says, uh, then Peter came to him, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Let me go ahead and tell you that that question from Peter was a stupid question, okay? I, there, your teachers in your life have told you that there's not a dumb question and that's the thing, they're lying to you, okay? This is, this is a dumb question. But Jesus, in all of his greatness, kind of parlays this dumb question into probably one of the, the, most, uh, the most impactful parables that he tells. And he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his counts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was brought in owed him millions of dollars, okay? So 2,000 years ago, millions of dollars now would be billions of dollars, okay? Owed him billions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. That language there seems to imply that unforgiveness has implications for people around us, not just us. It's not normal to throw somebody in jail that owes you money and their wife and their kids, right? That's not normal language, okay? And it is obviously meant to point to us to know that this is not about money. This is about souls and hearts, okay? But then the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him just a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell before, down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until his debt could be paid in full. 
That's heavy. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, very upset. And they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in that he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus ends it like this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I felt the air leave the room, so let's break this down just a little bit, okay? Um, First, I want you to notice that the servant's initial offense is with owing money to his master. And as the story progresses, it's still about money. It's only a lot less money, right? We started with millions, now we're dealing with thousands. What does this mean to us? What is Jesus trying to tell us? Well, first, he's trying to tell us how you've been hurt in the past is how you will be hurt in the future, okay? And I can guarantee you that that's what's gonna happen, especially if it's unresolved. So what, what, what's an example of the, what this looks like in our lives? A very, very long time ago, when I was a young, young person, no longer a young person, um, past, uh, three churches before this, I was hurt pretty badly by my pastor, okay? I did not deal with that pain and that hurt, and I never, ever told my pastor that I was upset with him, okay? What did I do? Well, I left the church, you know, because that's what we do. We get upset and we leave. And I went to the next church. Um, But when I showed up at the next church, that offense and that hurt was still raw, okay? It was still there. It had never been dealt with. And kind of the example that I give is when you're hurt, your physical body's hurt, your flesh, your skin, your bones, it heals, it scars, right? But your spirit doesn't do that. Your spirit doesn't do that. If you are hurt and you have unresolved hurt and unforgiveness in your heart, all it does is fester. And actually it spreads like a cancer throughout your soul and your spirit, okay? And so I show up to this next church uh, and I'm, at this point, I'm an easy target for Satan, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an easy target for him. I have this bared hurt, uh, but I'm bringing it, never addressed it, bringing it to the next church. And just like the servant and the money, for me, it was the pastor, right? I was upset, I still hadn't dealt with that, right? And I come into this next church and I'm an easy target for the enemy. The example that I give here is, if you know Ray Roberts, Ray Roberts has this ingenious way that he hunts, okay? And he, is, uh, he, he puts out this corn for, at the same spot all the time on his property. And these deer come and they come and they eat and they eat and they get fatter and fatter and they get bigger and bigger. And then when Ray thinks it's time and it's hunting season, first day of hunting season, he walks out and he's, he doesn't even, I don't even know if he puts clothes on. He just has his muscle shirt on and his boxers. <laughs> he sits down on his front porch, pulls out his rifle and pow, deer never had a chance, right? And that's how we are when we show up in different places. It doesn't even have to be church, guys. You, show, you, you have an offense with your boss at work. You quit that job, you go to the next one, you're still going to have the same issue if you never addressed it and you never dealt with it, right? And so the enemy sees, sees me come to this next church. Instead of pulling out a rifle like Ray, he's like, guys, watch, this is going to be easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this guy. Pulls out a bazooka and blows me out of the water, right? I'm just completely fried at that point. So what you have to know is that we, we, we are always hurt 
in the way that we've been hurt in the past, okay? You see the progression, large offense, smaller offense, to smaller offense, millions to thousands to tens of dollars to just a few dollars. And it can be applied to everything in your life. It can be applied to your marriage, okay? It can be applied to your marriage. If you have an offense against your partner and you never deal with it, then the next time that something comes up, it'll be a lot less that sets off that nuclear reaction in that argument, right? And the next time it'll be less, and the next time it'll be less. It's the same thing with your boss at work. It's the same thing with a parent that you might be upset, all right? So why does God take unforgiveness so, so seriously? Why the dark and gloomy language in this parable? I think the Sunday school version is that basically God gave so much to forgive you of your sins. And he forgives you after you come to him and you get to know him. He forgives you for the rest of your life for all of the transgressions that you, you, might, have, uh, you might have committed. So what we have here is the construct of the kingdom is kind of built on a series of causal relationships. The language of Jesus is oftentimes cause and effect. You do this and you do th- you will, you'll get this. You reap what you sow. So back to verse 32. The king called in the man that he had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to be prison, to prison, to be tortured, to pay his entire debt. I don't think that Jesus is saying as much uh, that he is going to personally punish you for your unforgiveness. I think what he's overwhelmingly saying is that you will be punished by your unforgiveness and your sin, okay? All right, so it's real important to understand. It's real important to understand that there are real ripple effects from unforgiveness. The cause and effect relationship here is reaping what you sow is that unforgiveness becomes a dam in your spirit and in your life. It becomes a cancer that intensely affects you and the other people around you. It affects your wife, your kids, your friends, It always, always robs you of more than anyone else involved in the situation. Always, including the offender. Unforgiveness, if not dealt with, leads to hurt, and and then it leads to unforgiveness in other areas. Now you're suddenly not just mad at your boss. You're mad at your best friend. You're mad at your spouse. And it just continues to grow like a cancer, and it can negatively impact your physical health. Jesus said this almost 3,000 years ago. He didn't have a psychiatry degree. He didn't have a psychology degree. He knew, he knew what we know now, that bitterness and offense and unforgiveness can literally kill you. It can literally have a negative impact on so many things in your life. It's going to rob you of joy. And I'm going to let you in on another thing that it's going to rob you of. It's going to rob you of friendships. And a lot of times these friendships these are put into your life by God himself And it's going to cause you to abort friendships that are really, really important for you and your walk with Christ. And friendships that were intended to make you a less crappy person. (laughs) Right? This is important. This is important. All right? So another real-life example here. Seven years ago, eight years ago, me and my brother set out on this crazy idea to open an accounting firm. Okay? Downtown, this is before there were brothers. This is before... There was hardened coffee. This is before there was Yellow Rose. Uh, There's before all these things were down. It was was a pretty gloomy place downtown, right? Um, And we bought this building, um, and I can only describe to you that this building in some places looked like a torture chamber, right? 
We went upstairs in this 6,000 square foot building. I saw things in there I cannot repeat. I just know that it was bad, all right? We had bats in the building, real live bats. And we called two or three pest guys and nobody wanted to come deal with the bats. So what do you do when you don't want to deal with the bats? You call Mike Giordano, right? And we called Mike, right? We called Mike and Mike came over and he killed this bat with a blow dart, like this crazy like looking contraption that he had. He kills this bat. I have no idea why he had that. I don't really, I don't know what, what area in life or what situation he thought that might be needed, um, but it was, it, was, it was quiet and silent. So, you know, you didn't hear a bang, there wasn't a gun, all that. And so that's now part of like vineyard folklore, right? And so everyone's goal here should be at some point in your time here at the vineyard to be part of folklore. You've got to try to do it. Like, aside from loving Jesus and loving your brothers and sisters, you have, to, you have to be part of some of this vineyard folklore, right? Another one is, and this is, I was corrected on this story actually after, after the first service, is that Glenn Yoder, at one point in time in the past, uh, whether it was a small group, I don't know where he was at, he couldn't grow a beard, okay? And he commanded his hair follicles, to grow, okay? And what did we get? Boom, look at Glenn's beard. He looks like Fidel Castro, okay? Can you point him out up there? I don't know. I, I don't know if you can find Glenn in there, but it worked. I asked Glenn after the first service if he would pray for my hair, right? And command these hair follicles to grow, right? Well, obviously nobody wants to get their taxes done in a torture chamber, all right? So we had to fix this building. Uh, and we had no idea how much this was going to cost. We were so stupid. We were so stupid. Um, I, I mean, we, we went into this thinking it was going to be like $20,000, $30,000. Oh, no. <laughs> it wasn't $20,000, $30,000. Um, and so every, every contractor that, that came in, it was just like contractor after contractor. Here's the bill for this much. I told you it was going to be this much, but it's, it's really this much. Here's the bill. Um, and... I decided at that point in time that I was going to take out kind of my fury on Justin Harden, okay, which wasn't fair to Justin, all right? It was actually really unfair to Justin. Um, and I, this could just as much be a story about Justin being so gracious to me as it is the fact that I had this crazy offense with Justin that I had just completely contrived in my mind, right? And so I almost allowed my stupidity to abort one of my best friends in life. And eight years later, eight years later, Justin is, is literally one of my closest friends, okay? And so I'm telling you that whatever you're hurt about or whoever you're hurt at, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, and it's not worth the torture that you're opening yourself up for, okay? And so why don't you guys, why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going I'm to ask Glenn to come up. I purposely left a little bit of time here at the end um, to kind of just do a little bit of prayer here. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time. <laughs>